Hey legends, it's Catfish here. Just another quick note before you listen to this episode. Yeah, just like the previous ones, this was recorded. Uh, I think this one's pushing three weeks ago, so a week before the trials even started. Real life, huh? Just getting in the way of serious stuff like Supercoach. Again, though, for the most part, the comments are not significantly different at all. It's just that there's some certain speculation that has since been confirmed or ruled out due to injuries and other things like that. So we'll drop another episode real soon. I sat down with NRL physio Brian Sini himself and did a post-trials injury wrap from a super coach perspective. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. That'll drop real soon, hopefully. And yeah, we'll be easing into a regular schedule soon after this as we're so close to team list Tuesday and round one of this season. So Thanks, Legends. Catch you around soon. Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. You're here with Catfish as always. We are diving into the burning questions yet again, facing all the NRL teams. This is our fourth episode in that little series and we're going to tackle the remaining teams that we haven't talked about so far. I'm joined yet again by 2022 overall champion, the reigning champ himself, Matt White. How are you going this evening? I'm good. Still smiling, still reigning champ. Yeah. What more can I ask for, Wolf? That's it. That's it. We haven't even started the season yet, and you're still you're not sick of hearing it yet, have you? <laughs> no, no. I, I hope uh, the rankings before round one still have me on top. I don't think they're going to. I might have to talk to Tom, but uh, yeah, hoping they can somehow pre round one rankings put me up the top. I uh, just clicked on the button now. It says the overall 2023 competition rankings will be available here on the completion of round one. Sorry <sighs> to dash your dreams there already. Yeah, that's done. <laughs> All right, so five teams left, so let's jump straight to it. South Sydney Rabbitohs is going to be our first team this evening. We've talked about a few other teams that have been very settled, and this is yet another one of them. In fact, I think we can cover the gains and losses in about 20 seconds, which is more than I can say for some of the other teams. They've lost the GOAT, Mark Nichols, off to the Dolphins. They've also lost Cody Nickarim into the Dolphins and Jackson Paulo to the Roosters. That is it. Three players gone. They haven't gained any players, though. They've re-signed a bunch of their youngsters, so that's good. But otherwise, that's it. Ten seconds, maybe. <laughs> Easy. So uh, as the team, which potentially looks almost identical, except for Mark Nichols and Cody Nikarima, I think the South Sydney Rabbitohs should, on paper, get off to a pretty decent start. And then you look at their draw, right? It's not fun for the first few rounds. No, there is an in. I think Lockie, Lockie Ilias' second year as a halfback, he, he's, that's a good in. He's now more experienced than a rookie. Lockie Ilias will be. Um, Latrell Mitchell's got Superman hamstrings. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Fair enough. I'll, I'll give you those. But uh, Damien Cook's a year older. There's an out. There's some leg speed gone. But, you yeah, know, there's not a lot of excitement there from a, a changing roster perspective. And then Sharks, Panthers, Roosters, three games straight up. That is rough. Just as rough as the Eel start, right? Except it's only three rounds. So, I mean, having said that, they are so unchanged. What are you expecting from the Rabbitohs this year? Do you think to just continue on, or I, th- I think they'll be good. I think from an NRL, yeah, I think they'll be good. They- they'll probably fight for a top four. I've got them penciled in top four. Uh, they're a good side, but yeah, it- it's hard to get excited. 
super coach-wise when they do start that way. And they're so settled, so your value is probably not there. The only place you might be able to get some is in the front row. With I know Mark Nichols didn't play huge minutes, but that's a loss without a gain there. So does Harme Sele or, or big Tommy Burgess, who, who gets those minutes? Yeah, it's a good question. It, it, it will remain to be seen what actually happens there. One thing, probably it's not a gain as such, but Jacob Host was very injured last year. And I think he had actually had a shoulder reconstruction. So I wonder if he's fit, then does he come back in and play a bit more prominent role on the bench, whether that's, you know, that forces Jai Arrow to spend some time, you know, in the middle as opposed to playing Eddie on the edge. Like I just, I mean, for me, I think Jai Arrow is a better middle than he is an edge, but I think he played in the edge out of necessity. Jacob Host is an edge back rower, not a fantastic one, but he's, He's a first-grade quality one, I guess you could say, uh, judging by some of the first-grade back rowers going around. So I wonder if that kind of fills in some of the minutes there. But you're right. I think, you know, is it Tavita Totola adding another five, ten minutes to his to his scoring or, or as you say, Tom Burgess? Or, yeah, maybe does, does Cam Murray actually have to play more minutes, which is kind of scary when you think about it. Yeah, that is. He would have averaged in the, the sort of low 70s last year, you'd have to think. Cam Murray. Tell you exactly, 71.2. Ooh, not bad, not bad from the reigning champ. Oh, sorry, did you mean minutes or his average? Like yeah, so- oh, minutes, minutes. Oh, oh, I'll have to take a little longer to check that one up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, no, we'll say I meant points. Um, I was bang on there. You're right. Like, I think there's, there's def- that's probably the biggest opportunity. I do think, you know, maybe it's a Blake Taff who comes back in and plays the 14 role instead of Nicarima. Maybe they actually put a bench hooker on to spell Damien Cook, so it's Marmazelos, I assume, would be the guy. But outside of that, I don't see too much opportunity here, except for maybe the right wing position. So Tane Milne and Isaac Thompson were the two guys who took turns on that wing, aside from Jackson Paulo, who's now gone. I think Tane Milne's suspended for the first couple of rounds, so I feel like Thompson was pretty good as a rookie uh, on that wing there. Do you feel like he's something worth taking a punt on? He's like around 336000 give or take. Yeah, sorry. Well, if that's remiss of me to say, I must think he's someone worth taking a punt on because he's in the team at the moment. Hopefully, he does get that wing position. He's a big boy, and Johnson's probably not known for his backfield work. Luttrell can float in and out of game. So I think that's what they need, a, a big, bustling winger to do some yeah backfield carries. So... Yeah, I think he's got some potential back there. The, the right wing for Souths is always a little barren for tries. I guess everything goes AJ's way. Cody Walker can sort of only pass right to left, it seems. Uh, I feel that's a little bit harsh because I think both Tane Milne and Thompson, I mean, Tane Milne has a hat-trick playing on the right wing, so he must have scored some tries down that side. It maybe came off Latrell. Mostly. Yeah, you're right. Keon was good last year and he was on the right edge, wasn't he? He scored some tries maybe. Yeah, sorry, Cody. That's right. Campbell Graham also on the right center. So it's it's not a bad, like it's not it's not the left edge like, like in the past. So I, I, I wonder if they do balance out a little bit. Uh, just obviously Cody Walker had a bit of a down year himself. And it's interesting because there's been so little chat about him. He averaged 57.3 in the end last year, which sees him start this season. Just eight thousand dollars more than Matt Burton, and actually twenty two grand less than Adam Dewey. Uh, Adam Dewey, sorry, <laughs> like he's right in the middle there. 
and yeah. no one seems to be going after him. I think his ownership, uh, 3%. Yeah, right. He was the uh, the highest price. 5.8. Five, eight, eight. Yes, the start of last year, yeah, because he was coming off that monster 2021. So, I I, I mean, the, if it was a better first, first three rounds, like I'd be a lot more interested, but I just kind of feel like he might still score less than 57.3 and therefore lose cash over the first three rounds because of that tough first three games straight up. Uh, before I forget, Cam Murray, <laughs> he actually... He's uh, officially averaged 65.5 minutes last year, but that includes when he got knocked out in the first minute in round 25. Take that out, it, it sits at just under 69 minutes a game. So probably not a lot of room for Cam Murray to move there because obviously some of those games he's played 80 minutes or, or the whole game basically. And then there's a few origin-affected games where he's come back and come off the bench or you know played limited minutes or whatever. So I, yeah, Murray's probably maxed out minutes-wise. But, you know, maybe he has to do more while he's on the park because they don't have the goat. <laughs> no, no. He, um, yeah, he does. He does. Maybe, yeah, you're right. Jai Arrow must, must play some more middle minutes with Jacob Host there. Because um, I think Keon was, he'd average well into the 70s. He didn't get much rest because I owned him for a fair bit, watching quite closely. Yep. Again, played really well last year. I don't think there's value there. He's right at the top of his price range. Good player, good super coach player, but yeah, no value. So I've had, yeah, I've had Thompson in and out of my team. I just it's just that price tag, right? I kind of sit him there. If there's someone else who you know is better option, I'll, I'll plug him in. But there is that question mark, the, the shadow of Tane Milne hanging over him. I tend to think he's probably going to hang into a spot, but at the same time, like if he does struggle the first few three weeks because it's tough matchups, you know. There's a world where Tane Milne comes back in and gets a few rounds and then Thompson's back there later because Milne sucks or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, we start Isaac Thompson if, if that happens or if we go down to Tyrell Sloan before his price rise. Good shout, good shout. As per our discussion last episode. But yeah, job done. I am, I am starting Latrell. And in, in, all, in all things said and done, I've got Latrell plugged in there. I, I just think the second half of last year was just next level from him. And I feel there is a world where he continues that form. And in, in that case, if, if he does, then I do feel like Luttrell might actually be not at his max price, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair enough point. He was a big part of, of yeah my back end of the year, so I probably shouldn't be so harsh on Luttrell. He's a lot of money and a bad first three rounds. Look, he's probably a lot better player than, than who I've currently got at fullback. Yeah, I don't think I, I, I've got no money. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Like, again, you know, not to harp on about the numbers, but when he came back from the States, around 16 to 25. So it's not just, you know, a couple of rounds, but extended run of 10 games. He averaged 97.2 and he's priced right now at a 84.5 average. So hence, that's why I was like, there is a world where he's under unders on his current price tag. Again, it comes back to those first three games, and yes, they are as tough as it gets, really, aside from the Storm being there. But, you know, you look at against the Sharks, the Panthers, and the Roosters last year, he scored 105 against the Panthers. He did only score 45 against the Roosters in round 25, but, you know, that's where they lost Cam Murray after one minute, which I feel that's, you know, pertinent. And he scored 52 against the Sharks, so... 
there's a world where he also underperforms. But I kind of think like, who else do I want back there? And I mean, the the obvious obvious answer might be James Tedesco, right? Who is going to be cheaper than the troll? Then he's got the round four buy, and I kind of think about that and I go, well, is four rounds of Latrell better than three rounds of Teddy? And do I want to be swapping over? And yeah, these are the questions I'm trying to wrestle with, right? Trying to work out where the play is because I'm already kind of factoring in like I might make changes at halfback if I don't start with Cleary or if I don't start with Hines or if I, you know, take the punt on Sam Walker instead or something like that. So if I'm potentially making trades there, then I want to just have someone I can plug and play every single week don't have to worry about buys and the Rabbitohs, they don't have a buy to around 16. So they are one of the two teams along with the Broncos that they have a clear run until then, uh, which is obviously fantastic <laughs> for those who, if you start with one of those guys. So I think that's something that you're going to continue to wrestle with for the next sort of five weeks. I think there'll be more than just the Latrell Mitchell versus James Tedesco. But um, yeah, I am hoping I watch the indigenous all stars and Latrell looks great and then I don't have to think about it anymore, right? <laughs> Any other names? I mean, Damien Cook probably deserves a mention, right? Because, again, he's uh, he's not been mentioned really very much and he's only in 2% of teams right now despite yeah. being the second highest average last year. Well, I've never owned Damien Cook and I don't think I ever will own Damien Cook in Classic till he retires now. Maybe he has some relevance draft-wise. Does he, is he a sleeper? He averaged two less than Harry Grant. Last year, maybe you can get him lower down in a draft, but yeah, he's just too expensive and, and the minutes are only going to go south. Yeah, I guess it do, does come back to what that bench looks like. If there's no, you know, if they say have a 4 4 bench and there's no Blake, or also they, they have a Blake Taff and three other forwards, like none of them are going to take minutes off Cook then. But if they put Marmazellas on, obviously, then Cooks would definitely stay away from me. So I wouldn't write him off. I just kind of think I'd. I'd rather just pay the extra twenty six grand for Grant. Yeah, he is a beach sprinter after all, so they they last forever. <laughs> I have heard that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on uh, to a team that's had a little bit more shakeups than the Rabbitohs, and that is the Canberra Raiders. So, in terms of their big outs, Adam Elliott's probably uh, the biggest one that actually played last year. So, obviously, he had a really good season for the Raiders, and he's gone to the Knights. Hodgson. Technically left, but, I mean, he hasn't played for the Raiders in terms of the regular season for a while because of that ACL. They also look uh, lost chance nickel cook start over to the Warriors. But, I mean, in terms of playing for the Raiders last year, he was quite banged up. A lot of injury concerns, a lot of issues there. So he's gone. And also Ryan Sutton uh, gone to the Bulldogs. So I do think that's a bit of an underrated loss for them in the middle there, especially on top of losing Adam Elliott. And then they've also released Sam Williams, uh, finally. He's uh, not contracted to them anymore. And then Harry Rushton, gone back to the Super League. So, unfortunately, that uh, ESL experiment didn't work out for young Harry. In terms of their ins, this is where it's a little bit shaky because Danny Levi is their headline signing. Come back from the Super League. Yeah, I mean, at one point there were rumours that he might actually start at hooker. I hope for the Raiders' sake that he doesn't and... Seems like they've moved away from that now, so thank goodness for them. And otherwise, it's Pisami Solo from the Knights uh, joining the Raiders for two years. So mostly just losses, and I feel like overall the Raiders may have become a weaker squad unless certain players like the Corey Horsburghs or Xavier Savages and 
Kori, Harawira, Nara, if they all step up basically and fulfill the potential that we know that they have because they've they've shown us glimpses of it for sure. Uh, how do you see the Raiders traveling this year? Yeah, I think if they can make the eight again, there's got to be a big improvement from either Savage or or Jack Whiten's probably got to go to another level. I don't know how many levels Jack's got left, really. Big red, Corey Horsburgh. Yeah. Now, I don't see the Raiders finishing where they did last year. They've got to regress. I will say Jamal Fogarty probably was an underrated kind of inclusion mid-season. Not that he didn't start the season there, but they lost him for a good chunk of the first half of the year. So when he came back, I feel like they looked a little, a lot more organized with him, you know, at halfback. Surprise, surprise, a, an actual halfback can make your team look more organized. But yeah, I, I do think the loss of Elliot is significant. And I mean, let's not forget, Joey Tarpane had an otherworldly type of season. Like he was literally unstoppable at times. And I just don't know if he holds up form-wise because he signed a nice contract extension over the off-season. Uh, he got his money. Not to read too much into it, but sometimes it does make a difference in terms of player motivation. He he, he did look like he was uh, an under fifteen playing in the under thirteens comp there the second half of the season. Like he was just pushing. He went. He he did his best uh, Joey Manu impersonation there towards the end of the year. Except he played in a position where it's probably more acceptable to be like that. <laughs> but no, he was just insanely good, and he wasn't in my team, so I'm very jealous of anyone who had him in their team. But I don't think, I, yeah, I've, of course you did. But <laughs> of course I will say that I don't think I'm going to start with him this year. I don't think it's because he's overpriced, but I feel like, I don't know if it's just a narrative thing, but he seems to ease into the season. And coming off a World Cup, I am very conscious of people who've come back from preseason training, from World Cup uh, leave and all that type of stuff. They haven't started till January. I'm always a little bit iffy on whether I want to start with them in my team round one. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't think I can get to 700K for a, a front row. You're right, he is he is probably valued at around what he will score, but there's a trade-off between points and then cash early in the year. Do we want to take his 700,000 and try and make money from mid-range front row forwards? That, that may even be Corey Horsburgh, priced at 500,000. Hopefully getting more minutes does he play lock or does Trey Mooney play lock or does Elliot Whitehead play lock? All really good questions there. And I don't, <laughs> I hope for their sake, it's not Whitehead. I just, uh, I mean, he probably belongs on the bench by now. Like, honestly, it's just, yeah. you know, time's almost up. It's, it's got to be Mooney or, or Horsburgh, right? And I haven't seen Mooney play, but from all talk, he's, might be a little bit more ball playing than, than Corey. Corey might be more of your ram and smash type lock. Either way, I, I think I'm going to start with whoever is the Raiders starting lock. Interesting. All right. Well, that'll be something to keep an eye on. Obviously, if it is Mooney and aim to start, then there's obviously an argument to chuck him straight in your team. I will note, though, like Ricky Stewart has a, he has a thing for sometimes starting his lock and then he plays 20 minutes and then just doesn't come back on the field. It's so random. He does it from time to time. So I feel like there's a potential trap lying in wait as well there. It's more like if it's a young guy. So if Corey Horsburgh starts at locker, I'm okay with that. But if like a rookie Trey Mooney starts there around one, I'm, it seems weird, but I actually might go, well, maybe if there's someone else I can plug in first and then I can downgrade to Mooney later or something like that. Just I've 
I've seen it too many times. Like Kai O'Donnell, uh, I don't know if that rings a bell, but he he got the Ricky Stewart treatment where he started, then he played 20 minutes and never came back on the field. Ah, well, at least Corey Horsburgh shouldn't get the Adam Elliott treatment. Was there a couple of rounds he started at lock and moved his way into hooker there? Was that Adam Elliott? Yeah, I don't think we can plug Corey Horsburgh into the dummy half position. No, that they've, they've obviously got that Wolford and, and Starling as that combo. It seems to be settled for them. So as long as it's not Danny Levi for their sake. Yeah, yeah. What about Xavier Savage? Go go towards the backs now. We've got he's young on the rise. Even Matt Tomoko, he's on the rise, is he not? Yeah, I thought he had a really good season. And Sa- Savage, I, it was good to see him You know, do some special things after a lot of inconsistency. I don't know if I could take a punt on Savage, but if there was ever a season to, to do it, it might actually be this one when you've got out-and-out studs like Pappenhausen, most likely unavailable. Tommy Turbo might be injured. Question marks over whether Teddy's going to start slow because he's coming back from that World Cup or whatever. You know, there are questions hanging over a lot of the premium options, so this might be the season to take a punt on some of the mid-range guys. So, yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Like, I've got Latrell and Turbo currently. But if Turbo's ruled out for injury or whatever, like Savage is probably an easy kind of sideways trade there, isn't he? Yeah, I think he might even make some money out of that. He might be high 400s, Savage. There is one, and I, I, I don't know why he spent some time on my team, but Nick Kotrick, he's very awkwardly priced at 430. And I he's not in my team anymore, but he was there once and he will probably come back again. But yeah, tackle busting guy, he's coming back off an injury. I'll, I'll look at him if he's on the left wing. I feel like the right wing is a bit of a dead zone for the Raiders. I know it's just a it's just a gut feeling there. It, I, I, I couldn't quantify that for you, but I feel like the left winger generally has gone really well ever since uh, BJ Leilua left on that yeah. right. It's a good left side. Hudson Young's good and, and on the rise. Whiten plays primarily down the left, yeah. That's right. Look, I don't hate the Savage shout, and you're right. He's uh, 485K, so I would get – you know, good part of you know, 80 grand back from Tommy Turbo downgrade there. So I don't know if, if there's an injury there, I mean, 46.1 average, he, I'm pretty sure he hit five, high fifties or even low sixties in terms of the games he did play there. So uh, don't, don't fact check me on that one. I have to look and double check those numbers, but yeah, there's, there's a world where Savage could be a really viable option and the Raiders, they, they don't have a buy till round eight. So it's not too bad. Like you're not you're not putting yourself at risk of missing guys early on in the season either. So yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah, it's, if you can get someone from the Raiders, I'm sure we'll talk about this in, in further episodes when we get into the the strategy. But round eight might be a good time if you can get someone for the Raiders to make money to then start moving to buy planning. Right, if we can get Horsburgh to make some cash, we go up to maybe Tohu Harris the boys i don't know yeah i mean it's interesting because i've currently like i mentioned obviously christian welsh is in my team as my second front row forward right now i've got him penciled into a trade to joey tarpane following the raiders buy in round eight and just lock and loading for him for the rest of the season from there because again you know tarpane not playing origin raiders they only have round 16 as a big buy round that they don't play so you know, that'll help you with round 13 and 19. But noting he does miss round 20 afterwards. So, yeah, there's a, not a bad kind of buy schedule, buy coverage option there for Joey Tarpane. So roughly that's kind of my plan for that second front row forward position. I'm going to start with uh, 
like a Torhu or a Payne Haas there for the first one. Welsh will be there. Slowly, hopefully, makes me 10, 15 points worth of cash, and then I can flick him out to Joey Tarpanay for the rest of the season, and that's my front row sorted. Lovely. Save you round seven and, and round nine trades for the later pods, Wilf, but I, I like that round eight trade. It's in theory. That's how I've got it planned. But let's move on from the Raiders. I think that's uh, not much else we can talk about on them. Let's jump over to the Roosters, though, since we did talk a little bit about James Tedesco, and I think I'm itching to talk about him some more. So they've had a fair bit of turnover as well, but the thing for them is it's not really anything major, right? Probably the biggest big-name loss is someone like a Sam Verrill's gone to the Titans or maybe a Takeahu gone to the English Super League. Everyone else is kind of like, yeah, you know, no big loss. I mean, Daniel Saluka Fafida to the Rabbitohs, Kevin Nagama back to the Super League, Freddie Lussick left mid-season last year to the Warriors, Lockie Lamb's gone over the Super League, same with Adam Kieran, and also Renoff Tony all over the Super League. Uh, Volkman, who was one of their depth halves, he left to the Warriors last year. And that ends, I mean, this is where it's kind of scary because aside from Brandon Smith, obviously a big one there, but Jackson Paulo and Corey Allen, uh, you're probably the two biggest ins aside from the future immortal hooker and waiting, Jake Turpman from the Broncos. Yeah, and he's going to find himself into a 14 jersey now with the unfortunate news to Connor Watson, you'd have to think. think so, but honestly... They haven't even confirmed the actual injury for Connor Watson right now, even though we've known for like two months that he's suffered something. But the Roosters haven't said anything up to this point. So it's kind of funny how quiet the offseason gets in terms of injury report reports, it seems. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to come down to Brandon Smith, right? What impact is he going to have on this squad compared to obviously having someone like a Sam Verrills there? I don't know. Do you think – I mean, we know that so you're a Storm – Storm fan, you've seen what Cheese is like as a hooker. You've seen him play. I mean, we know he's a run-first kind of guy, right? He's not the type of hooker where he's going to look to pass to his halves. He will do what he sees. So how do you think that fits in with the Rooster system? Yeah, impulsive is probably not a bad word to sort of define how he's going to play hooker. Um, it, It might be similar to the conversation we had in the previous episode about Josh Hodgson being a change there. I think he may sort of add some clunkiness early in the season to to Sam Walker and and Cleary. Add Joey Manu wanting to run three times a set. There is going to be some clunkiness early in the season for the the Roosters. I still think they put 60 on the Dolphins in round one. But, um, yeah, Brandon Smith is definitely a change from Sam Verrills. You wonder, like, yeah, maybe they put on 60, but... There might be a hat trick for Cheese <laughs> crashing over from dummy half uh, a few times there. So I do think, yeah, I, I share many of your similar thoughts. Like I'm not concerned as such because I think he's good enough as a hooker that he'll know when to pick and choose his moments. But I just think he will run more than Verrills would ever do. And you know he's not automatically going to know when he needs to pass it straight to his halves. So there, there will be some teething problems, I think, early on. I do wonder with the round three by, sorry, the round four by for the Roosters, if that makes things a little bit more dicey about how many you want to start with. Because they are overall a fairly settled squad. They're top 17, I think. Of of their top 13, I think pretty much, you know, 90% of it's still the same. Yeah, it's tough because they do have the Dolphins round one and 
it's tough to pass that up with guys like Teddy. I think an interesting one I, I read somewhere, um, Joseph Suali'i has been training in the centers with Jackson Paulo on the wing. That's, that's you know, like Suali'i, as silly as it sounds, maybe he's even undervalued at like a 55, 56 average. Yeah, and it might come from, you know, more tackles or base stats as opposed to scoring those fancy tries where he just jumps out jumps everyone else around him, catches it and comes out with it for, you know, a 17-point play when, you know, on a, on a skill technique side of things, it's probably worth more than that, right? Yeah, yeah, he's an athletic dude. Definitely. But, yeah, it's not just the Dolphins. It's also Warriors round two and before they meet the old enemy, the Bunnies in round three, and then they've got a round four bye. Then round five and six and seven, not fun. Eels, Storm, and Sharks. So it's just the first two rounds, I feel, is where you really expect the Roosters to to go bang. After that, I'm kind of not as scared of them in a sense. So I mentioned before my fullbacks are Luttrell and Turbo. So that does mean no Tedesco. And I kind of think it's, it's a calculated risk, isn't it? Obviously, Teddy, we know what he is. He is an absolute stud for Supercoach. There are some numbers out there to support the fact that he generally underperforms what his price tag is because he doesn't start off where he finishes. Uh, there seems to be a trend for, for the Roosters anyway where they build into the season. It's the last portion post-origin you know, run towards the finals where they tend to blow teams off the park and they really the averages hit the 90, 100-plus. Teddy's been 90-plus, 100-plus multiple times at the back end of the season, so... That in turn means, you know, the rest of the season he was probably scoring under that, right? So it's that first kind of five to six, seven rounds sometimes where Teddy still might be going at a 70 average, but he's starting off at 80-something price tag, which means you're obviously paying overs from round one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting with Teddy at the present. I just can't let the Roosters go around against the Dolphins and the Warriors without Tedesco. And and I'm hoping that becomes... A, a trade Teddy to Turbo make a heap of cash in well not it won't make the cash but the downgrade will will generate some cash I guess I've also got Sam Walker in at halfback so I'm sort of quite high on the Roosters getting me some points in in round one and two and they're both going to have to go probably before that round four bye because you don't want to be sitting yeah for a fullback and a halfback out of your starting seventeen in in round four of the season so. Yeah, starting with the Roosters, yes, there's upside round one and two, but you're right, round four is a challenge. I was going to say, that make, that might make it really tough because you do you have cheese as one of your two? No, I don't. I okay. don't have cheese. Hot take, I don't have Brandon Smith. I think uh, the future immortal Jake Turpin might <laughs> actually hurt his minutes, Dear. as silly as that sounds. Like Connor Watson might, may have been better for, for Brandon Smith because he's a lot less likely to play good hooker minutes than Turpin is. That's not saying Turpin will play good hooker minutes, but more likely than Connor Watson. The other one that I'm toying with, I can't get to Angus Crichton at 697 or 1,000. He's just too expensive to not be a set and forget guy for more than two rounds. Lindsay Collins is the one that interests me to an extent with the potential to make money. He's priced on a 43 average, I think. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I'll just double check. But no, I think it's a good shout that he should be at least considered. So 43.3 uh, from last year. And we know he can do better than that. And we know he's a good player when he's playing well. Obviously, you know, I think when he played for 
Queensland, he was really, really good one year, but then he, he hurt himself, unfortunately. And then, you know, it's been a bit of a, bit of a slow journey back to, I think his best. So maybe he's going to hit that this year as, and the other question mark is, can he stay off, uh, stay away from the judiciary? (laughs) Yeah. Or the HIA, he seems to put his head into places where I wouldn't put my foot. So yeah, he likes to uh, go down low, doesn't he? Doesn't mind a little cannonball here and there. (laughs) It it does make me nervous having a guy that could go off after five minutes and and four points with a HIA, but but that price tag is pretty juicy, as you said. So no, I don't hate that. I guess I mean any interest in the other edge back rower if you can't afford Angus Crichton, someone like a Matt Butcher instead. No, short answer, no. I think he's got to be overpriced. At, I don't know what he's priced at, but I remember that game he scored four tries in a game. He's not doing that again, is he? You'd think not, but having said that, I mean, you, you keep talking about the Dolphins being the round one matchup. Like if, if they did it to the Tigers last year, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it to the Dolphins, right? He's at 580, so 55.1 average. <laughs> okay, yeah. Now, maybe I'll... um sort of counteract that with my Sam Walker. Hopefully he'll be the one passing to him on the right edge. So if Butcher goes well, maybe Sam Walker can get them. Yeah, this is where like, and, and no doubt we'll probably come into a deeper discussion about this, but like I think strategically there is a potential world where you just skip both Cleary and Hines and you go with like a Sam Walker for the first two rounds. And then if Cleary's got a buy in round three and Hines has a buy in round six, there's a potential for kind of, you know, shuffle Walker to one of those and then kind of dance around those buys a little bit. I don't know, just... You're on to me, Will. You are on to me. That's what I've got. I'm toying with that idea as well. And it seems like you've already... That, that's where you came to yourself. So <laughs> it's, it's a discussion for another day, I think. There's obviously potential for that to backfire. But I, I do think the early buys can... It presents some interesting strategic decisions. So I like that. I like that I, I, idea of it. Even with your Teddy downgrading him to Turbo later after Turbo's had his buy and Teddy's maybe on his buy, like these are definite options that you could look at for sure. Yeah. I think away from Supercoach, how do you see the Roosters going NRL-wise? Do, do they seriously challenge the Panthers? Are they their biggest challenge, do you think? Well, I do think that the Roosters, if Brandon Smith ends up clicking, like I rate Cheese as a hooker. He's not the same type of hooker as a Harry Grant or whatever. And we haven't seen his best for a little bit because, and I've spoken on this in the past in this podcast, but Cheese himself has said when he plays middle, he plays six kilograms heavier than what he normally does when he plays hooker. So all the things that makes him a good hooker, he's, he's usually lighter for that. So that explosive pace off the mark, the strength is still there. Like those are things he can't do because he's six kilograms heavier than what he normally is. So the times where we've, most seen and most recently, he's been that heavier version of Cheese where you know, I think this will be the first time where he's going to have the full preseason training at hooker, preparing to play hooker and only hooker. And I think that could see the best Cheese at hooker that we've seen for a while, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So I do think that if that all links together and that good Cheese at hooker clicks with the rest of the spine, then I'm scared about how good the Roosters could be basically, because the other three spine members are bloody good. So, yeah, I definitely think if that all clicks, then I'd be, I'd have to say, I mean, I've already got the Roosters in my grand final, and I think I'd put them in as the premiership favourite at that point. Yeah, yeah, I'm 
exactly in that same boat as you, Will. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll be riding the roosters home. Good old roosters again, uh, post-origin. I'm, I'm loading up on it. I've got te- Teddy penciled in already. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, though, actually, the I think they've finished their buys in round 19, so it's not a bad run to the end again. No buyers to worry about late in the season, unlike some other teams there. So, yeah, not a bad shout there. Let's keep moving on. A couple more teams left. The Seagulls. We talked about Tommy Turbo. Let's talk about his team. So, first in is Tommy Turbo, right? Yeah. <laughs> <From> injury. <laughs> is he the first in or the first out? Oh, that's a good point. It's a it's a big question mark here. Actually, I was going to say the biggest in might actually be Anthony Seabold, new coach. No more Desi Hasler. And, uh, you know, the coach that brought the first wooden spoon to the Broncos the, the famous Brisbane Broncos who'd never gotten a spoon before. I don't know. Look, other losses for the Seagulls, obviously Kieran Foran gone to the Titans. We've talked about that before. Dylan Walker to the Warriors. Marty Tapao recently left for the Broncos, although I think the Seagulls had said bye to him already. Andrew Davey over to the Bulldogs. Finally, they also said bye to George Tafua. Uh, gone to the Super League there. One of the Fainu brothers, so this is not Manasseh, the little brother Sione is a prop. He's gone over to the Tigers, I guess, once um, you know, Manasseh wasn't part of the Seagulls' plans for the future. There was no need to keep the little brother around anymore. There's also a couple of big gains. So Kelma Tuilangi might be the biggest uh, in for them. And Cooper Johns as depth for the halves. Otherwise, Nathaniel Roach, potential depth at hooker, and Ben Condon from the Cowboys. So... Really, some pretty big losses in terms of foreign uh, in particular and not very many gains aside from Tui Lungi, who might be their biggest in for this year. I, yeah, I mean, we came, we come back to it. Tommy Turbo, it just rests on his shoulders, doesn't it? Or more specifically, his hamstrings, right? Yeah, it does. It does. It's, they are very, very sort of spine heavy and, and not even spine. It's really just Tom and DC, isn't it? That's where their salary cap lies. That's where we, yeah, where we need sort of the points, everything to come from leadership, and can we trust his hammies? Yep. So uh, since we mentioned the spine, the other player that I guess we should talk about because he is in a lot of Supercoach teams is Joshy Schuster, who we're expecting to play five eighth out the blocks. So he's really cheap and also dual position, so that's super handy. Two forty one k. I mean, surely he's in your team, but is he in reserve halfback? Uh, sorry. Is he in reserve 5'8", or is he in your second row? Yeah, look, he's, he's really cheap, and I guess he, he's really talented as well. So I think as well as, yeah, being in people's teams for his price tag, and even if he was a little more expensive, I think maybe there's a world where people do still start with him. But, yeah, he is currently in my second row. He was in my 5'8", but I needed to find room for Dewey. So I, I've moved Schuster up to the second row and he's currently my fifth second rower. Oh, nice. I think that works pretty well. Like the main thing is like, I think he could be a reserve option some weeks. I just wouldn't want to start him every week. So yeah, just having that kind of flexibility can be really handy there as well. Now, obviously the Seagulls do have a round two buy, which is kind of, I mean, it's good and bad. One, it's good that's so early that most teams are still probably not putting out like gun scores yet. So losing someone quite early on, it's not going to cripple you, I feel. But at the same time, it means, you know, if everyone's got Schuster, like how many other Seagulls could you really have, right? I think for me, I've just got Schuster and Tommy Turbo at the moment. 
and that's it. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no one really else relevant, is there? Ola Kawatu, he's priced at his max. Cole is a great player from an NRL perspective. I don't think he's super coach relevant at his current price tag. Garrick's dear as poison. DCE's also dear as poison. Yeah, you're right. It's Turbo and it's Schuster. Now, Turbo, obviously, we, we talked about the hamstrings. They are a, a concern. But assuming he's ready to go round one, which at this stage, from what I've read, he seems to be expecting to be available and will play round one. I think I've, I, I just feel like the upside is worth the risk. Yes, the hamstrings could come back and, and be an issue. But, I mean, it's not like he's suddenly forgotten how to play football. Right, he's yes, he's got dodgy hammies, but we've known for a long time when he is fit and firing, like he's an absolute stud. And a sixty-one average is a walk in the park for him. Yeah, and you know we're not going to see one hundred and forty-three. Like, let's be real, and we may not even see ninety, but seventy-five, eighty—that's all really achievable for someone like Turbo. And starting at 61 average, like I know people talk about just downgrading to him and stuff like that. So your strategy of you starting with Teddy and then moving to Turbo later, quite viable. But I don't know. I feel like for me, I just want to lock and load him. Don't want to have to muck around with trades. Yeah, it's hard to lock and load Turbo with his. I'm sure he's going to be in and out at some point of your team. But I get your point from the start of the year. He's definitely, yeah, lock and loaded. But I can't start with him. Not for one game. You definitely lose him round two. Yeah, I can't have a fullback not playing in round two. That's a fair comment. And I think this is where it comes down to, like, are you setting up your team with so many other trades that you're going to need to make in rounds three and four? Whereas, like, I kind of feel like I'm just going to lock him in so he's there. I don't touch a fullback. I concentrate my trades in in other positions and worry about. Yeah, that's a good, good plan, I think, as well. It does come down to team structure. So like I said, we'll probably talk about that in a lot more detail in a future episode. But outside of this, I, I don't really think there's much to discuss for the Seagulls. I think we, I mean, just literally comes down to if Tommy's healthy, they'll, there'll be a chance to top eight. If he's not, then they could be, you know, potentially bottom four. Yeah, they're a bad team without Turbo, aren't they? And I feel like they overperformed what they were last year when he was out of the team because... Let's face it, Garrick played really well. I just don't think he can do it again. Yeah, and I, I don't think as talented as Schuster is, I don't think he can play as good as Foran did back end of last year. Foran was good. Yep. I think that can't, like, because, you know, for us super coach players, we look at the scores and stuff. Like, he's never been good for super coach. But even for Foran's, his record, he actually did well for super coach comparative to what he normally does. So I think that says, says a lot about how well he was playing. <laughs> He did. Lachlan Croker's probably locked in for 80 minutes again, isn't he? That's, he doesn't score well, but he's going to play 80 minutes. Yeah, might, that's probably like a bit of a draft sleeper, you know, late round option where you ignore the position and just load up in other areas and then, you know, with one of your last picks, sneak in Lachlan Croker and you'll be laughing. <laughs> yeah, you're getting 50 meat and potatoes, aren't you? If that, maybe maybe 40 to 50, but, you yeah. know, if, if you've... If you've Picked, if you've drafted well in other positions, you'll you'll be fine. <laughs> Absolutely. With the loss of Marty to power, is there any any well, firstly NRL concern about their go forward in the pack? Secondly, value from a super coach wise somewhere? I'd say no concern because I felt Marty was pretty meh already last year. 
he wasn't playing well. And I mean, he only averaged 38.7 minutes per game anyway. So it's not like he was getting bulk minutes. Uh, I do think there's a potential for someone else to pick up some game time, but I just don't know who it's going to be. Like, and does it just end up being, you know, all the other guys get like three or four minutes each and then someone else, you know, gets 20, 20 minutes off the bench as a younger forward. Uh, I kind of feel that could be the potential outcome and that just doesn't help anyone for Supercoach because that younger forward uh, doesn't, you know, get enough game time to earn money and none of the other forwards get enough game extra game time to warrant starting with them at the current price. So kind of feel that might be the outcome here, but yeah, I don't know. Do you see it some, some other way? or No, I think there's we're floating around. Kepi might start at 270K. Like it, is there someone a little more explosive out there? Like Kepi, even if he plays... 30, 40 minutes. I don't think his PPM is going to be through the roof. He's not an offloading, tackle-busting guy. I mean, I just, I don't rate him much as a player and his, you know, you talked about his PPM, like he's not been a really good scorer. When given the opportunities, he's had a couple of games where he might almost go at, you know, 0.9 or, or close to one PPM, but those seem to be the rarer, rarer games. He's, off, he's often floating much lower than that, so... No, thanks. <laughs> yeah. This might be Burbo's uh, lowest ownership going into a season in the last two or three. I think he's been highly owned just because people get him confused. They think they're getting Tom for 175000 Well, does he still have his dual position? I don't think he does anymore, right? So that might be the problem. Yeah. And he's 300 and something K and not going <laughs> to play big minutes. That's another problem. No, definitely not. All right, let's move on to the final team that we've got to discuss, and that is... The Cronulla Sharks, so, you know, second on the ladder last year. I think plenty expected them to do all right, but I do feel like in a sense they may have overachieved from what a lot of people expected. Uh, in hindsight, though, a lot of it may have come down to a pretty favorable draw, but then you look at the fact that this year they also have a pretty friendly draw. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're top four again. They've also got a pretty settled squad. Uh, their biggest losses, I mean, Aiden Tolman and Andrew Fafita retired. Franklin Pele, one of their younger up-and-coming forwards, has gone over to the Bulldogs. And they lost Luke Metcalf mid-season last year to the Warriors, so no loss there really. Otherwise, Oregon Kafusi, they're only main in, and they've extended a couple of their younger guys uh, as well. So overall, I think, you know, top 17-wise, there's only very minimal changeover. I mean, Kafusi comes in, Fafito uh, was, you know, in and out of the team anyway. Tolman probably was the biggest mainstay and then Kafusi probably takes his spot. So not much opportunity here. Uh, do you expect the Sharks to be there at the business end again? Yes, I, I think so. It sounds very rinse and repeat from the Cowboys. Not a lot of losses, not a lot of gains. They overachieved last year. Can they do that again this year, I guess? It's probably worth mentioning Lockie Miller. Uh, it's not really a loss because right now he's their third choice fullback. So it doesn't really matter for the Sharks. But the word seems to be he is on his way to the Knights and the Sharks will get an under-19s prop in exchange. So planning again for the future, probably not a bad move overall for the Sharks there. But yeah, I don't think that's a game changer for their top 17 in any way. No, it's a game changer for my Supercoach team because Lockie Miller is in if he's at the Knights. But yeah, the, the, the swap for an under-19 prop, that doesn't speak highly of what they think of Lockie Miller, does it? Oh, again, like he's their third or fourth choice fullback, right? So I just think yeah. they, they probably re- recognize they've lost middle forwards in, in Fafita and 
Tolman, they've not really gained much aside from Kafusi. So, you know, planning for the future is not bad. And obviously, yeah, they lost Pele as well. So, well, probably Nico Hines is the biggest talking point, I do feel. I mean, he had a fantastic season, won Daliem. Do we think that continues? Do we think he gets even better playing, you know, second season full time at halfback? Does that scare you? Does that, you know, is it second year syndrome potentially for him? It, it does scare me because he's not in my immediate plans to start the season. I don't think he wins Dallium again, but they do have a looking at their one through seven. It, it's good, isn't it? Especially sort of two through five. Nico Hines has got a lot of exciting outside backs to work with. Katoa and Mulatalo have got to be two of the best finishers in the league. And Talakai and Ramian have got to be two of the strongest centers in the league. Sometimes some of the dumber ones too, but <laughs> I feel like the positives outweigh the negatives there. Brawn over brains, brawn over brains. It, wor- it worked for them last year, but you're right. And, and Matty Moylan had a fantastic season, all things considered. Stayed healthy for starters, but I genuinely do feel a lot of what Nico was able to do was because Moylan was there and, you know, they combined well. So, you know, and from a super coach's perspective, like Moylan actually did a lot of the first receiver work sometimes and Nico was the one who chimed in later, hence why he got the points, whereas Moylan did a lot of the hard yards to actually set up the play. So, I mean, it, it does rely on Moylan staying healthy for another season and continuing that good form, I do feel, which could very well happen. I mean, he is a very talented player, but it's just the health has always been a battle for him. Uh, I mean, looking at their starting draw, I mean, we do know they've got a round six bye, so it's not super early. You can survive five rounds pretty easily, I feel. But Rabbitohs, Eels, Raiders, Dragons, and the Warriors, like the first two rounds could be sneaky tough. Uh, The Sharks, I mean, I've spoken in the past about this, but Nico doesn't score as well against the top eight. Uh, it's a sharp, it's like a 15 point gap between his average against the bottom eight compared to the top eight. So uh, I think in, in circumstances where there's such a big gap, it will make a difference. But, you know, these are two teams that have, I mean, the Rabbitohs and the Sharks, I think it'll be a really good game because they're so similar to last year and they're probably going to both hit the ground running, I'd say. The Eels do have a fair bit of turnover as we've highlighted and that might be not as difficult as a matchup as it might have looked on paper. And then the other three games afterwards, I do I do feel could be a little bit easier, especially with the Raiders. They've they've had some losses and not really improved, so it's a tough one. I can't pick the Raiders. I do find that they they're going to yeah. be a tough team to read. And it, there is obviously the the potential with both the Sharks and the Cowboys. People slept on them early last year. I don't think they're going to get that lack of preparation going into any games this year. Absolutely, yeah, really good point. Because now we've got a season of tape of Nico playing halfback that people can look through and obviously you know defend against and scheme up plans to defend against that properly. So it's a really really good point that and watch his hair flow majestically. That's the that's the that must be the the trick, right? His they're they're, they're watching video trying to prepare to to go against him and then they just get distracted by the flowing locks. Yeah, they just <laughs> don't pull it like they uh, pulled Luciano's hair last year. That's got to be one of the most outrageous penalties I've ever seen in the NRL. That's insane. I couldn't believe it when I when I saw it happen. I'm like, serious? (laughs) Yeah, that's out there. But yeah, they're 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 very very solid. They'll 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 play well. They'll make the top eight in a canter. I think it's. I don't know if they have the upside to to challenge a team like the Roosters when it gets into the finals. But over at the 27 round season, that's where they're sort of yeah. 
top four for me, but I definitely, I mean, the jury's still out on whether they can handle the top eight teams because let's face it, their record actually overall wasn't very good against the top eight. It's just they didn't have to play that many top eight teams basically yeah. uh, last year. And, and, and it's the story is pretty similar so far this year in terms of what we look at on paper. But again, you know, how, how much does the top eight change from last year? Who knows? Other points to note, the, the Sharks do finish their buys in round 17. So that's actually quite good. So they're, they're unavailable for round 13. They do play round 16, but then they have a round 17 buy. So that could be a little bit tricky there. But, you know, round 6, 13, and 17 being their buys, if you, I mean, we'll, you'll need Nico in the late end of season, right? If not sooner. At this stage, I'm, I'm most likely not starting with him. and That scares me. But it's just I can't pay that much nine hundred k. It's I mean not just the figure itself, but it's like it's an eighty five average effectively, eighty five point eight, and I just don't think he hits that first game or two even. And coupled with the round six buy, I I kind of think can I survive till then before I really want to try bring in Nico? I don't know. Yeah, it's one of them ones you can sort of. It's easy to convince yourself you can get through the first three without Nico, and then they go, "Is it Warriors and Saint George or, or someone yeah, of, the, of that like round four and round five? It's yeah. Can you survive those two getting into the buy yep. and buy him after round six, or do you have to give in and buy him after round three? I, I think where I, it's where I sit. Yeah, Raiders three, and then uh, Dragons and Warriors are the rounds four and five. So those would be. I don't know if I could watch the game if I've got no Nico and 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 he's going up against them. But yeah, this is where it's hard, right? Because you kind of think I could probably survive with only two rounds of no Cleary because Cleary's got the round three by. But can I survive till round six with no Nico? That's the one I'm I'm struggling with. But he's also the one that I'm least confident will match his price tag from round one. So it's a conundrum. There's some there's some. Exp- Expensive guys in the Sharks team. I think Sione Katoa, Talakai, Ramian, and Mulakalo, they're all sort of around that 600K mark. But they all averaged pretty much between 59 and 61, I think, last year. Yeah, come end of season, I think the like, uh, Ramian 58.8, Katoa 59.9, Talakai 60.4, and Mulakalo 60.9. So very, very close there. Uh, it's, it's very balanced, isn't it? They all had their turn. Basically, absolutely. Yeah, you just had to get him at the right time of the season. I, I missed Talakai's turn, and I missed Ramian's turn. I got Katoa's turn, but yeah, yeah. that was. And he got hurt, right? Sucked. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. But look, I, you know, it, it shows that you don't need to hit every single one of those runs, right? Because you won without Talakai going off for your team. So I think that speaks to not panicking. Maybe it's a lesson for us to take away. Because I certainly panicked and brought in Talakai at his peak price, which was in hindsight a really bad mood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the other thing that scares me about buying Sharks forwards is is Blake Braley's an 80-minute hooker. Dale Finucane's a big-minute lock. Cameron McInnes is a big-minute 14. Like, what? yeah, that, there's just not that many minutes to share around. That's it. And I think maybe we'll spend a little time talking about the – the Teague-Wilton-Wade Graham situation because I think the interview was Wade Graham had come out and pretty much said if we were picking the starting team this week, uh, Teague would be starting ahead of him, which I think that was something that was frustrating last year, right? Because everyone could see Graham wasn't who he used to be. 
and he probably shouldn't have been starting anymore. And that was arguably one of the areas which, which perhaps let them down at the back end of the year. Uh, having said that, you know, Teague was certainly, you know, still improving. He'd missed tackles and stuff like that. But I think for the long term, it would have been better to start him. And it seems like the Fitzies figured that out now. I do have some interest in starting with Teague as a result. Uh, I think he's got quite a good super coach game. And he's affordable in the sense that he's 493600 So without looking at the price tag, it's actually equivalent to like a, sorry, a 46.9 average. So definitely feel like T could outdo that. Is that any interest to you? Or Yeah, it is. It is. He's been in my team once and he's out now. I think, I think he will start, but the trouble is, is, Wade is still there, and he's probably going to play more than 20 minutes. Britton Nakora is probably still going to play 80. So, yeah, where do Wade's minutes go? It's not like He's not going to get any at lock, because if Finucane's not playing lock, McInnes is. So all of Wade's minutes have to come off Teague, don't they? Yeah, well, depends how much of a regression we see from Wade. Does he go back to like an actual, maybe like an Andrew Fafita type role, where he's only getting 20, 30 minutes, and probably playing in the middle instead? of on the edge, like that could be an outcome. I'm not saying it will, but, you know, even just looking at it, like when Teague got 60 plus minutes, he averaged about 60.9 from roughly, I think, nine or 10 games last year. So decent sample size where if he got 60 or eight, ideally 80 minutes, like anything more than 60, he was going to score pretty decently in 11 game sample size, sorry. So it's a tough one, right? Because if he gets that, I mean, it's value, right? Even if he's averaging 55 or whatever, I'd love to start with that for a 46, 47 price tag. Yeah, I think if you told me Teague Wilton averages 62 minutes, uh, I'd probably start with him, but I'm nervous it's going to be more like 52. Yeah, and I guess that's where, because he's a little bit more expensive than your Luke Garners and your Raymond Faitala Mariners and your Corey Harabir and Iras, right? He might be the one to start with and, you downgrade to whichever one ends up being the best of the lot. Um, if you if if you know he's not getting decent minutes to be able to actually make money from the price tag that he's at, but yeah, all these things that we have to consider because then you got to juggle the buyers with it all, right? <laughs> yeah, fun times. Yeah, but I think it's safe to say it's a no. But you won't be starting with any of the Cronulla backs. You can't, no, can't no. fork out six hundred k. Yeah, I mean, right now my my build has. I've gone cheap and nasty at the back line. My my most expensive guys currently Hayes Perham. Oh, okay. Is that where you uh you start your eleven bottom price rookies? <laughs> so I've got Hayes Perham, Nickel Clickstart, got Raymond Smith, uh Mapa Palangi from the Knights, who apparently is starting center. And then I've got, yeah, three bottom dollar guys in Khan Pereira and uh Tafuare. Hopefully he gets that spot. Uh if he doesn't, then you know. I've still got some money in the bank to make adjustments, so it's not like I've um, I'm locked in here. But yeah, three bottom dollar center wings, and then cheap guys around the three hundred to three seventy mark for the other starters. Yeah, well, I'm not going to throw stones, Wolf, but that is cheap and nasty, isn't it? It is definitely. But you know, in in my back row, I've got Angus, Dave Fafita, Toru Harris, Teague Milton. Wow, it's my fifth and second row. So yeah, that's unreal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it makes it a look, and then then I've got Payne Haas and Christian Welsh in my front row. So. Stack the pack, forget the backs. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then, you know, like I've still got Cleary, I've got Dewey, here, uh, Dewey rather, and then Latrell, Tommy Turbo, uh, Harry Grant, Brandon Smith. So it's not like I'm 
scrubbing it up big time. It's just cheap and nasty in the backs. <laughs> yeah, you got to find somewhere, right? It, it's always hard to, um, and obviously I haven't been playing anywhere near as long as you have, but talking to, to some of my mates starting the year, it's so hard to start a team because you finish the year just for rent. Like I had four, my team value was over 14 million. So you, you, you get used to seeing a team with that many guys and they ask you to start with 10 million. It's like, oh, hang on. Yeah. What did I make 4 million bucks from last year? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting to the point where I think you, where most super coaches are starting to make one or two changes to their team per week, right? At least per day, even. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to ramp up my prep. So no, I'm not, not quite 120 or 130 iterations, but at least I'm in the double digits finally. <laughs> Lovely. I, I was hoping to slow down, to be honest, but... Um... Yeah, as we spoke, heading back to work again, and that's where it all started for me. So once I get back with the the boss at work, who knows how many times we'll change the team? Yeah, try 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 calm it down, take a break before you get back to work. Hey, eh? sounds like a plan. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Right, thank you so much for jumping on and talking through all the teams with me. Uh, I feel like you know it's interesting hearing how we both see the teams. Like it seems like we align on a quite a number of them, but yeah, it'll be it'll be a. I feel like it's going to be a closer competition this year, honestly. The, the gap from first to maybe not last, but first to 12th is seems much shorter, uh, much more narrow compared to what it was last year. So I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a good year. Can't wait for the footage to start. Yeah, definitely in that boat, mate. I, I don't think we're going to see uh, the year like we did two years ago with all those blowouts. I think it's yeah, definitely a step in the right direction for the NRL. Thank goodness, yeah. The, the blowouts was not fun. It's great for Supercoach as long as you're on the right end of it. It was hell when you didn't have the right players. <laughs> All right, mate. Thanks again for jumping on. Uh, we'll jump back on soon again with uh, some more chat. All right. Uh, we'll catch you all again soon. Thanks for listening. And, yeah, don't Supercoach too hard, guys. Thanks, Will. Thanks, guys. Yeah.